Today's episode is sponsored by Sword and Scale Podcast. Sword and Scale Podcast, found on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Hey y'all, Jen and Lindsay here from Corpus Delicti Podcast, here to tell you to check out our show. If true crime is your thing, it's ours too, with a touch of lightheartedness and a dash of southern charm. We cover compelling cases and crack them open for you. Serial killers, hitmen, historical hallmarks, we've got it all and bring you new episodes every Tuesday morning. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and most other podcast apps. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter too. That's C-O-R-P-U-S-D-E-L-I-C-T-I. See you Tuesday. Hey, Road Warriors, this is Chris from State of Fear Podcast, and you're listening to a fourth-hand production. guys welcome back to state of fear podcast episode 30 the great state of new hampshire i'm your host chris and with me as always is james and what's with the dramatics it's, it's new hampshire <laughs> you've got to be very proper it's new hampshire new, ha- new hampshire new hampshire did i say new hampshire hampshire, <laughs> new hampshire. um uh, so yeah, today's episode is going to be on a cryptid, the Devil Monkeys. The of Devil New Monkeys. Yes, I love I love the sound. I'm of excited. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you hear uh, all this laughter, this is uh, some outtakes that we had that uh, you won't hear unless you go to our Patreon. That is correct. So we have a Patreon at Patreon.com/slash State of Fear. Um, there you can get access to all of our bloopers, our outtakes, as well as video podcasts and video specials and special right. episodes. And witness the idiocy for yourself. Yeah. So if you hear random, <laughs> if you hear random laughter that you don't know where it's come from, it's because it's an edit we had to do. And uh, you'll you'll be able to find that if you go pledge at the Patreon. Yes. Uh, as well as our merch shop. Yes. Um, but first, before the merch shop, real quick, let's go back to the Patreon. So it's three tiers. Uh, the hitchhiker, the little hitchhiker, which is a dollar, which is a buck. The um, backseat driver, which is five dollars, right? And then the and shotgun. And we have shotgun, which, is, which 10. is ten bucks. It's cheap, but you get all this extra material. Yeah. And we have some really cool stuff coming down the pipe. If you subscribe to at least a five dollar tier, you not only get access to early episodes or early access to episodes, but you get access to ad free episodes. Yes, you do. So you get just pure streamlining James and Chris. That's it. That's nothing, right. No, no ads, interference. No, nothing. no bullshit. Just us. That's right. So, uh, yeah, $5 or more, you know, it's, it's super, super easy to do, but, uh, patreon.com slash state of fear. You can also find our merch shop. 
Yes. Tpublic.com forward slash SOF. Yeah. I believe it is. Uh, I also post the links, of course, on our social media. Right. With all of our episodes, we're going to be posting uh, the, the Patreon link, the Tpublic link, and any other relevant materials. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so, you, so oh, uh, we have shit. three different designs on our merch shops. Yes, so, we do. Um, go check them out. There's some really cool stuff, uh, everything from mugs to T-shirts to uh um, phone cases to uh, pillows, all kinds of cool stuff, uh, stickers yes. and, and magnets. Um, we also uh, have one for our sister project, What the Suck, so go check that out as yes. well. Um, and again, he'll post all those links on our Facebook, our Twitter, and, and our, our Instagram. Instagram. That That's is right. correct, yes. We also have the postcard giveaway going on. Still, we have a very limited amount of postcards left, so go to whatever app you use to mm-hmm. listen to our fine, fine award-winning podcast and leave a review. <laughs> hey, award-winning, might as well shoot high, right? I mean, I gave I gave us an award for being the coolest podcast ever. That's, That's the award right. one. That's right. So I mean, we speak about serious stuff, but we throw that 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 style, that there, style, you know? this smooth pimp style. <laughs> uh, but yeah, get, go and give us a review. Send us a screenshot. Uh, send it to our email at stateofyourpodcast at gmail and we will send you out a 1996 vintage X Files postcard. While supplies last. Signed by both of us. Do it. Yeah. So <laughs> so before we get into the main, uh, or before we get into your weird news, actually, let's get some New Hampshire facts down, shall we? Uh, let's do it. All right. So the first American in space, Alan Shepard, was born in Derry, New Hampshire, and his historic flight was made in 1961. Yes, it was. And he also was the first person to play golf on the surface of the moon. That man. That was very cool. He's a legend. Yes, he is. Absolute. Paul Revere rode here first. Four months before his famous ride to Lexington in Concord, Paul Revere made an even longer ride from Boston to Portsmouth to warn of an attack on Fort William and Mary. Colonists prevented the attack from happening and saved the fort from the British. Way to go, Paul. Also a great song by the Beastie Boys. That's right. Uh, The 1995 hit movie Jumanji was filmed in Keene, New Hampshire, and that movie has been going on this entire 2020. Yes, it has. It, you mind, someone needs you to finish, mind, finish the game. Out. Someone need to finish the game. Finish the game that's... and close the fucking board. <laughs> yes, they do. This year it's, sucks. It's getting out of hand. Yeah. America's Stonehenge is a 4,000-year-old megalithic stone-constructed site located on Mystery Hill in Salem. Yeah, very cool. I was in Salem. You were in Salem, New Hampshire? I was near it. You were near Salem, New Hampshire? I went through it. Oh, you you missed the American Stonehenge then. I completely blew past 4, it. 4,000-year-old megalithic site in America, and I, you missed it. I should be horse-whipped. You know, it's a, I guess you just... All, I've been all over the place, but then I've been to every state, so now Maybe I'm just going to go back, go back and see back. some stuff that I've missed because the way I see it, I ain't going out of country. Yep. I'm staying in here. Well, The world is nuts. I might go to I might go to London. I might go to Scotland, my well, homeland, where my just, family's from. I mean, that's it. Scotland. You're not going anywhere for a while, because as far as I understand, there's only like two countries in the world that allow Americans to go right now. So you're not yeah. going anywhere. So we're 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 grounded right now. Yeah, they, they <laughs> we, can kiss. They can kiss my butt. We've been sent to our rooms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, most notoriously, New Hampshire became home to the first ever known case of an alien abduction yes. in 1961 when Betty and Barney Hill. Natives of Portsmouth announced that they were abducted by extraterrestrials and taken to a UFO. I swear you were going to say Betty and Barney Rubble. I was like, what? Hey, Betty. There has been a state historical marker at the so-called abduction site. 
I, there still is there. Still another there. thing I missed. Yep, you gotta go check that. You out. You know man. what? State of fear is going on the road. One of these days, we're gonna have to go on the road here and there when we can and hit multiple sites. I think and, we need to, yeah, and, and do some videos. Yeah, because yeah, we gotta add that. There's to some it places we need to go visit and see for ourselves. I gotcha. So let's uh, let's uh, talk about some famous New Hampshireites. New Hampshireites. New Hampshireites. Well, uh, Bob Montana created the popular comic strip Archie back in 1942. Archie and Jughead. The comic strip was based upon his high school classmates in Manchester. That's very That's interesting. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. Uh, comedian Sarah Silverman was born I in. I hate her guts. New Hampshire. Move on. <laughs> Dan Brown. Author of Da Vinci Code. Da Vinci. Oh. He was born in New Hampshire. Documentarian Ken Burns is from New Hampshire. Very nice. Seth Myers, the late night talk show host and SNL alum. Mm-hmm. And Krista McAuliffe. Oh, McAuliffe. Bless her heart. McAuliffe? McAuliffe? McAuliffe. McAuliffe. Krista, Krista McAuliffe. Krista McAuliffe was a school teacher in New Hampshire and was selected to be, was selected in 1985 by NASA to become the first civilian in space. Unfortunately, it, on January 28th, 1986, seconds after takeoff, the space shuttle Challenger tragically exploded. I remember when that happened very well. It well, broke my heart. And that poor woman worked so hard I know. to get that. And she was actually going to teach several lessons, mm-hmm. science and other things from space. And they were going to broadcast her nationwide. Yep. Uh, God bless her. Yeah. I mean, God bless the whole crew. That was horrible. And it exploded. You know, it, bad news. Yeah, I remember that was a, a huge, huge tragedy in America for sure. Yes, it was. Yeah. All right, James, why don't we get to your weird news story of the day? Yeah, and it's a weird one. All right, this story might kind of piss you off, but let's see how it goes anyway. <laughs> Good transition there, Thank brother. you, sir. Today's story is called, These Planter-Like Urinals Are Amsterdam's Answer to the Problem of Wild Peeing. I did not realize Amsterdam had a problem with wild peeing. Me neither. I thought that was only New Orleans. <laughs> Anyway, the city of Amsterdam is going green in an attempt to combat an age-old problem, public urination. The local council has installed eight hemp-filled sustainable urinals in the city's wild-peeing hotspots. They have wild-peeing hotspots? <laughs> that's that's pretty bad when you have hotspots. That's horrible. Of course, then, you know, I ain't going to mention it, but yeah. Go on. <laughs> At first glance, the urinals called green peas. I like that. Green peas. Look nice. like traditional planters with greenery sprouting from the top. But look more closely and you'll notice an opening on the side. This is the target zone for urination. Oh, we're so gonna, they made a game out of it. We're going to have to put a picture up when we post this. So. I'm going to have to find a picture of yeah. it. Yeah. Green pea is manufactured by Dutch company Urban Senses, and there are now a total of 12 urinals in Amsterdam, inventor Richard De Vries told CNN Friday, De Vries, an environmental psychologist by trade, works <clears throat> worked with the council on a pilot project back in 2018, installing green peas in four public 
urination areas in the center of the city. That's just lovely. <laughs> I mean, Amsterdam is rough. I've heard it's a pretty uh, How was your week swanky at work? town. How was your week at work? Well, I developed a new public urination yeah. trees I for Amsterdam. P- piss pots. That's right. <laughs> piss pots. Continue. Pea plants. Yep. The result is there was a 50% reduction in wild peeing, said DeVries. It was a great success. Congratulations. Way to go. You yeah. didn't piss away the opportunity. Nope. Womp, womp, womp. (laughs) Encouraged by the results of the trial, officials went ahead and ordered eight new green peas, which were scheduled for delivery in February. But then the coronavirus pandemic, as always, saw Amsterdam locked down and there was less (laughs) demand for public toilet facilities. Was there really? Isn't that an interesting correlation, right? (laughs) Yeah. Around three weeks ago, however, the city started opening up again with bars welcoming guests and tourists returning. There is more need for toilets, said DeVries. I'm sure it's exactly how he sounds, too. There is more need for toilets. <laughs> well, I got to add it. I got to try to add, add some your own little, to it. Yeah. yeah, that's right. The green peas have many benefits, according to DeVries, from protecting historical buildings from the corrosive effects of urine to reducing water use compared with traditional toilets. That's actually pretty smart. That is very smart. Yeah. And they're made of hemp? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe it's like you pee in the hole, but then you pluck from the top and roll a joint while you're pissing? Uh, we need those in America, Stad. Uh, yeah. Especially in Houston downtown. The planters also effectively green the city, attracting bees and other insects, he added. <laughs> Flies. <laughs> Excuse me, come on, jeez. And all that urine doesn't go to waste. Oh, my God, what? Green pea produces organic fertilizer and water, which can be used to feed and water the city's green spaces, says hmm. DeVries. It looks great, but it's also functional, he said. Operators can go check the green pea manually. What? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go check it. Yeah. Oh, geez. Operators can check the green pea manually to see when it needs to be emptied or use a smart sensor that will send an alert according to the company website. I'd rather use a smart sensor. Yeah. Pee, pee, pee. Exactly. DeVries has already installed green peas in the Dutch cities of Vlardingen. Vlardingen. Close enough. And Beekbergen and the Belgian cities of Merchellen and Gank. Gank? Gank. Okay. Next, he wants to see if we can take the concept to other countries, as well as researching how to generate electricity when somebody pees into green pee. That's, now, you know what? That's brilliant. That would be brilliant. That's brilliant, yeah. New Orleans could light up the whole United States. They definitely need a ton of these in New Orleans. I, I'm sorry to say. Yeah, fun town. I get it. But it smells but like pee. Man. It smells like a big old urine spot. We need, we need some pot plants mm-hmm. in yeah. New Orleans. I mean, I mean, they can smoke it. And they can pee in it, and then they can power their own city. That's right. I love it. I'm pretty sure all, all the plants would be picked dry, though, at the first the first week they were there. Yeah, that's not so much weird as it is kind of cool. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> no, it's, it's different. It's unusual for sure. It is yeah. undifferent, I know. but I'm going to tell you what's okay. a good use for it. A pea plant that actually is like uh, provided Beneficial. By, by the city, that's pretty weird. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty weird. Yep. Yeah. They, you can take a natural function and change it into a energy-producing and productive thing. That's pretty cool. That guy's guy's kind of a genius. All right, what do you say we get into the main story? Let's do it, my friend.
South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, 1934. Several major newspapers report eyewitness accounts of a mysterious beast with lightning speed and the ability to leap across fields. Its malicious attacks on local pets and livestock include a trained police dog being mauled and devoured. Fearful for their lives, locals begin toting firearms to defend themselves. A search party is formed, but the creature disappears as quickly as it came. And though devil monkey sightings persist throughout the United States, to this day, its actual whereabouts cannot be confirmed. The devil monkey is a legendary creature most often sighted in the United States Appalachians. They're said to be compared to a giant baboon, but indeed, it's unlike any baboon or monkey that you've ever known. Yeah, so today's topic is on the devil monkeys, and as you heard, they're pretty vicious, scary, yeah. little, actually not little, monkeys. Yeah, they, they sound pretty damn, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you heard, the sightings of mysterious primate-like creatures have been reported across the U.S. since the 1930s. Devil monkeys are described as similar to baboons, but larger, faster, and meaner. They are described as three to eight feet tall, which is quite a variance there. Three, like, three to eight, eight feet? Yeah. I think, oh, Lord. I think after like six, you're getting like Bigfoot Come territory. On. Yeah. Walking on all fours upright with large feet, fully haired bodies, and monkey or dog-like faces. Cryptozoologists have confirmed that the devil monkey is indeed a distinct creature, different from its mythical cousins, the chupacabra or the Bigfoot. Chup! <laughs> devil monkeys are said to be powerful enough to cross a field in just a few massive leaps. They attack their victims, livestock, pets, and wildlife by tearing with their razor-sharp claws and biting with their sharp teeth and strong jaws. I just rhyme there. They go after the soft, vulnerable areas like the belly, face, and extremities in order to bring down their prey. Uh, as, as we heard in that video from uh, Lost Tapes on Animal Planet, yeah. the uh, first reported encounter with the swift, dangerous predator occurred in 1934 in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Which we have actually been to. I was just going to, to mention that, and that's why <laughs> I want to include that in this part, because yes, we have been there to yep. investigate the super awesome old South Pittsburgh hospital. Yes. That is like three stories of just pure haunting fuel. It, and it's awesome. It's a it great, is. great... Lots of activity there. Yeah, I would love to go back there one day. But no devil monkey. No devil monkey, unfortunately. No, we missed that part. Well, I'm kind of glad. Yeah. <laughs> According to reports, which were allegedly published in national newspapers, eyewitnesses described a mysterious beast that could leap across fields with lightning speed. This ability to jump great distances, up to 20 feet according to some accounts, have led some to speculate that these animals have something in common with the kangaroos that have been seen throughout the U.S. for decades. Have you have you heard anything about the mysterious kangaroo sightings, James? No, I have not. You have Yeah, it's a very interesting not a story. Word. You should look into that. There's been sightings of kangaroos all across the country. I'm thinking uh, 20 foot leaps, though. I'm thinking velociraptors. Yeah, that's actually it's a, that's you cool. know. Well, that's, I, I don't know what the leap on a kangaroo is, but I would assume it's like 20 feet as well. They bound pretty darn good. I mean, you have you seen those, those jacked animals? Yes, they, they are. are. There's some scary things. Uh, in 2001, though, the town of Danville, New Hampshire, became the epicenter for a series of sightings that lasted for over two months. Hmm. And that is the topic of our story today. Absolutely. Danville is a classic small New England town. There are some old farmhouses, a couple of churches, and it runs by town meeting. It's been described as someplace from a Thornton Wilder play. Okay, so town meeting, no mayor. No mayor. Good. On August 21st, 2001, so pretty recent now. Yeah. Danville Fire Chief David Kimball was driving down Kingston Road when suddenly a large creature leapt out from nearby trees and landed in front of his truck. 
Kimball went on to say, it jumped out of the trees. As soon as he hit the ground, it took a large giant leap and went back from where it came. The first thing I thought was, that's nothing native to here. Yeah. Kimball. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Kimball then went, yeah, especially New Hampshire. You don't yeah. got no dang monkeys out there. Ain't no, ain't no monkeys in New Hampshire. Kimball <laughs> then went out to the library to find a creature that may explain what he saw. After poring over books for three hours, he finally settled on a Humboldt's woolly monkey. The woolly monkeys are native of Amazon, not New Hampshire. Okay, yeah. That, that'd be a hell of a trip. Yeah. And yeah. they don't flush monkeys down the toilet. <laughs> no, they, they do not. And they end up in the sewers and then attack people. No. no. Uh, I mean, gators and stuff. At the most, it might be somebody's pet, but why would somebody in New Hampshire really need a wild monkey, a woolly monkey? You know? Or a devil monkey or, or devil, whatever, whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> The monkey That's... can grow to be four feet tall and weigh up to 40 pounds. Resident Carrie Pedato saw the creature a week later on August 28th perched atop a pump house on her street. She was out walking her daughter when they both spied the devil monkey. She said, I really thought it was crazy. It was sitting in like a squatting position. It had its hand on its face. She then turned and went home and thankfully the creature did not follow. Then sometime during the week of September 3rd through the 7th, 2001, Six-year-old Jacob Lemieux left some peanut butter cookies in his tree fort and returned to find them gone. At some point, he realized something actually ate them and began hoarding all the peanut butter cookies he could to take up to the treehouse to feed what he told his mother was his imaginary friend. Squirrel. <laughs> his mother, Sheila, just passed off her son's tail as an overactive imagination and figured it was the other kids in the neighborhood playing tricks on him. You know, why do they always do that? They just... Dismiss their sons, their kids. You know, if my sons ever came to me and told me, hey, this weird, this, that, and the other, I would at least check it out with them. You know, I wouldn't just sit there and say, ah, you're full of crap. Ah, you're I friends. mean, at the same time, I guess you really have to kind of take into account, like, what kind of kid you have. Is he prone to wild imagination? Is he, you know, is is he, uh, is he have, uh, uh, telling tall tales? I mean, okay. well, I'd want to get to the bottom of it because, first of all, all my damn cookies are disappearing. <laughs> oh, so it's first of all, he's taking my cookies. You're more pissed about the cookies. Yeah, I want the cookies back. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, come on, man. <laughs> with that, why don't we take a break, James? Sure. James and I recently discovered a podcast that we're now super obsessed with called Sword and Scale Podcast. Absolutely. It is the longest running true crime podcast, and it combines real audio and scary stories that will chill your bones. I love the real audio parts of the podcast. They're amazing. Yeah, the, the host and creator, Mike Baudet, expertly narrates each shocking episode to fully immerse listeners into a carefully crafted real life story that proves that the worst monsters are real. It's spanning over seven seasons and has over 160 episodes. There's so much true crime to binge. Sword and Scale is available bi-weekly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe today and be sure to leave a review. That's Sword and Scale, also available at swordandscale.com. Subscribe today and give it a listen. Sword and Scale, proving that the worst monsters are real. So while his mother didn't believe him, somebody else actually did. Uh, Danville Animal Control Officer Denise LaRotonda believed the cookies were being eaten by the devil monkey that had been seen in the area since August. <laughs> A cookie-thieving devil Man, monkey. This is the nicest devil monkey I've heard of because mostly they eat your they eat your guts or whatever. They or your dog, stock, but no, you know, or whatever. Yeah, they, these are these are taking your Girl Scouts uh, peanut butter cookies. Hey. Touch my, you know, peanut butter cookies. I might let you live, but you steal my thin mints. Oh man! I, and I'm gonna hey. bust you with my fifty calories. Look, you touch my thank you or thanks a lot. You right. will not be thanked. You will be spanked, <laughs> and I will kill you. Don't touch my thank a lot. I love those damn things. Yep. <laughs> 
Now, Scott and Jen Valenka got a scare at 8.30 a.m. on September 10, 2001, when they heard a loud, screeching, piercing sound that came from the nearby woods. That would scare the hell out of me at 8.30 in the morning. I'd be and, like, and look at that date. Yeah, 2000. That's the day before the towers. Yeah, Scott so, went outside to investigate what a week, the sound. Huh? Oh, I know, I know. Wow. Scott went outside to investigate the sound and caught a glimpse of the creature in his own backyard, which quickly darted away. By this time, most locals, including animal control, believed that it was an escaped pet and began to set up traps to try and catch it, even partnering with the Humane Society to lure the monkey. Interestingly enough, the rep from the Humane Society had previously captured exotic critters such as kangaroos and was arriving armed with female monkey urine and a skynet, a remote control <laughs> net that could aid in the monkey safe confinement. <laughs> just going on, just spraying hey, people. It works. Yeah. It works. Hey, whatever works is worse. Yeah. But you know, another thing is you got these exotic pets. If you lost one like that, you would report it. No, you say, wouldn't. Hey. No, you wouldn't because they're well, illegal. I, it's illegal, first of all, to have these type of animals. So if maybe. You lost a pet. You're not gonna report that because your ass is going to jail. <laughs> not necessarily. No, though. you are going to jail if you have an illegal animal in your possession. But it, is it illegal though? Yes, That's it is. Just it. Owning a monkey is illegal in that state. Is it? Yes. Okay. Owning that type of monkey, I mean, it's not. It's not a small like capuchin or whatever that you can yeah. get legally. Yeah. That if it is a even if it's if it's a baboon or a That's, woolly monkey. Now that I know is illegal. That is protected. Illegal. Yes, that, that is, is illegal true. in that state. The same as you can't you can't privately own a tiger, you can't privately own a lion. None of that shit. People in Houston, they they people they found yeah apartments with people having crazy wild animals exotic animals that they're not allowed to have but they smuggle them in to sell them on the black market and as god is my witness one time rolling down the highway i know this strays off but it's relevant yeah i'm driving down the road well i'm not driving i'm riding with my aunt janice yeah in her firebird and we're tooling down the road over near conroe uh-huh. and this truck passes us and sitting on the toolbox is a full-grown male lion are and you, i was like holy crap are you fucking kidding me no was he in a cage Nope. What he had a chain hell? on his neck, and he was sitting on the toolbox on the back of a truck. Houston, just chilling out. Houston, we got a problem. I mean, he was stable. He wasn't, like, unstable or anything. He was perfectly relaxed, chilling, and he was sitting on the damn toolbox. Wow. It was absolutely a sight to see. That is some scary ass stuff. Yeah. Was, I was like, holy crap. A full-grown line. On, oh, my gosh. See? Yeah. Exactly. So, if, if if that person had lost that line, he would not report it because he would go to jail. <laughs> So if it was somebody's pet monkey, they would not at all report that. Okay. Yeah. So I, I uh, will accept your uh, explanation, good <laughs> sir. Okay. So he brought the female pee and he brought a Skynet and a remote control <laughs> net that could aid in the monkey's confinement, but it didn't work. <laughs> I ain't buying that. I ain't falling for that piss trap. <laughs> You're pissing me off here. Hey, green peas. <laughs> okay, so it's just a weird coincidence that we have weird this story. Weird coincidence. Yeah. Other Danville residents strung up bananas, of course, because that's so cliche, and yeah. oranges to lure the monkey into the open. Hunters with tranquilizer darts stood by the ready. A local DJ even dressed up like a gorilla to entice the monkey. <laughs> I, I'm picturing the... Uh... You know, with the trading places with the monkey in the yes, cage. Yes, and the dude And the dude's in the costume. Yeah. And the monkey comes at him. Just that ridiculous. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Later, the creature was believed to be hanging around a mobile home park on the Danville-Kingston town line. 
Volunteer monkey trappers concentrated their effort. <laughs> Such there a are, funny there word. There are volunteer monkey trappers in New Hampshire. <laughs> I think it's like when you're when if, if you're just a citizen who's automatically like made a deputy by the sheriff. I think you're just I automatically you, you are if you showed up. You're you monkey, are a volunteer monkey trapper. You're, you're an official volunteer monkey trapper. Got, I you, love it. You got a bug net and you got a banana, <laughs> but you are a volunteer <laughs> monkey trapper. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, they concentrated their efforts along with supply of bananas in the area of the mobile home park after two confirmed sightings on the 10th of September, 2001. I can see the monkey sitting up in the top of the tree saying, bananas, really? Yeah, you guys are idiots. Get the fuck out of here. Do I? I, Yeah. (laughs) Do do I? No, no. (laughs) Again, nothing worked, and the creature disappeared after the mobile home park sightings and was never, ever seen again. The last sighting, I, I take that back, the last sighting of the creature actually in New Hampshire occurred 11 years later in 2012 when Michelle Andino was visiting her parents in Danville again. So this creature, if it was the same one, um, survived for the next 11 years in yeah. that area. And without undetected. being seen. Undetected. Undetected, exactly. yeah. He probably got smart and says, hey, man. So the, the only, only other logical answer would be that the same douchebag that had that first monkey yeah. after he lost it, uh, it probably died out. It probably died during the harsh New Hampshire winter. Yeah. So he went and bought himself another one like 10 years later because mm-hmm. he's an idiot. Very possible. And then turned it loose again. Yeah, or just, it, it got out or something. Idiot. And Dino was out cooking steaks on the grill when she heard her parents' dogs barking. Looking up to see what they were barking at, she was shocked to see something climbing a tree. She saw an animal that was at least two feet long with a white bottom and dark brown hair all over the rest of its body. She said it was really hugging the tree. It was climbing like a human being. So it's an environmental monkey. <laughs> tree hugger? Tree hugging monkey. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Can't can't fault him for that. So uh, that that's the story of the um, New Hampshire Devil Monkey. The, the sightings. I mean, they're pretty recent, so it's pretty crazy. Especially the last one, two thousand. I'm glad that's they're recent too years. because yeah. it, it's still fairly fresh. It's it, not some old story from, from like the seventies or something. Yeah. yeah. Now, interesting side note about Chief Kimball and Officer Lateranda. Uh, the story about the Danville Devil Monkey had gained national media attention, and they were invited to be on NBC's Today Show to discuss it. They flew out to New York and they were about to go live on, on September 11, 2001, when the first World Trade Center tower yep. was hit by the first of two planes. Yep. So, yeah, they... They were getting ready to do it, but it was overshadowed by the towers. Absolutely, yeah. So, but at that time, it had gained national attention. Rightfully so. Yeah. Now, ma- many believe that these sightings were, in fact, not of a devil monkey. Devil monkeys are reputed to be vicious and attack livestock, much like a chupacabra might, and as none of these creatures were known to attack anyone, were assumed to be escaped monkeys. However, that does not explain how experts were unable to actually capture any of the creatures at all. Yep. Yeah. And another thing, uh, monkeys of all sizes and types are actually quite strong for their size. Especially chimpanzees. They are they are they can be vicious and they Mm -hmm. are extraordinarily powerful animals. Gorillas don't even I mean they will snap you in half. Oh yeah. And, And baboons are no exception. I mean they're real rough. I mean they're all they're all pure muscle. So yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, literally, like like somebody a while back uh, started floating on a picture of a shaved uh, chimpanzee. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying. Buff, terrifying. I mean, that sucker was buff. Yeah, I think I saw that man. It yeah, like, it was like jacked, dude. I was like, man. Yeah, was it Caesar? Yeah, I, don't mess with that fool. Don't. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> They're gonna turn you the whole planet to apes. Yep. Come get you. <laughs> 
All right, James. So uh, real quick, let's tell the folks at home once again, they can find all of this uh, great blooper stuff and all the uh, ad free episodes and early access to the episodes on the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash state of fear. Yes, sir. And you can find the links to all this information on all of our posts. I will include our Patreon link. I will include our Public link for our merchandise shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we're on Facebook. We are on Instagram. And we are on Twitter. Nice. And you can find our podcast on the fourthhand.com media network along Correct. with our sister project what the suck along and some with other great several shows several other great shows I mean, shout out to dan and out. lee from beyond terrestrial yeah what's up fellas yeah and uh you can also find us anywhere podcasts are anywhere apple google Castbox. box i actually went out and tested yeah i went to several sites and i was able to find Honest. us everywhere awesome everywhere Glad that i could think of anyway yeah. so you know because i want to make sure we're getting out there because you yeah. know people try different platforms and stuff so we're out there yeah i'm glad to hear that and uh speaking of platforms go leave us a review on any of your platforms i think the only one that i can think of that doesn't do reviews for some reason is spotify yeah and they need to they, they need, need to, to they need to fix that yeah but go anywhere else, leave us a review, and uh, send us a screenshot of the review to stateoffearpodcast at gmail.com. To receive. you will get a 1996 vintage X-Files postcard. And they are cool. They I will are cool. be posting And it. limited stock. Yes. And we will sign, we'll both sign it and send it out to you right away. Yes, we will. All right, James, well, I'm ready to head on to the next state. How about you? Man, I am ready. Let me reach in here and see what I can find. All right, what do we got today? What are we playing today? Oh, man, this is a great one. Great tape, man. This is the latest from Texas musician Jody Jennings. The song is called Trailer Park Superstar. Man, this sounds awesome. Oh, Jody Jennings. You can find him over at Facebook.com forward slash Jody Jennings Music or ReverbNation.com. Jody Jennings. Is that right? Man, this song rocks. Jody did the state of Texas proud. Yes, sir. Man, we love this song, brother. Let's get it in there and let's get on down the road. Hit play. Let's do this. Hell yeah.
You've been listening to a fourth hand joint. With equipment breakdown coverage from American Family Insurance, you can protect all the things that keep your dream home running from sudden mechanical or electrical issues. Because this sound shouldn't mean. Contact your local agent or visit AmFam.com to learn more. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Refer to policy for equipment breakdown, covered losses, deductible limitations, and exclusions. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Products not available in every state.